You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 57, Your Child's Core Emotional Needs, part two, Control. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama, thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is part two of a series about your child's core emotional needs. In last week's episode, I shared the first of the three core emotional needs, connection, and talked about how to foster it. Today, I'm talking about the second psychological need that all humans share, the need to feel some control over their own lives. In the literature about self-determination theory, which I explained last week, this need is referred to as the need for autonomy, which means self-rule or self-government. But I'm going to refer to it here as the need for control over oneself because A, I think it's easier to remember, and because B, then all of the needs start with the letter C. (laughs) All right. According to psychologists, parental support of a child's need for control benefits the child's motivation and overall well-being and contributes to key developmental skills such as emotion regulation, cognitive self-regulation, and moral development. Now, from the very first episode of this podcast, I've talked about how the only person you can control is you. You can't control your kids because they have free will and control themselves. But when you think about it, how much control do they actually have over their own lives? As adults, we make the majority of decisions for our kids, especially when they're young, including what to eat, what clothes to buy, where to go, when to go there, and with whom. Most kids don't get a say in those things at all, and most parents were raised to believe that since they're the adults, they naturally know what's best and kids should do as they're told. Now, before I go any further, I want to be very clear that when I talk about kids having control over their lives, I'm not talking about letting them do whatever they want or having authority. Kids need limits, structure, and routines to help them feel safe. And within those limits, they need as much age-appropriate freedom as possible. Yes, you are the adult, and yes, you want to be in control, but you want to be in control of yourself and your authority. Now, to me, this is the most challenging emotional need of the three to support in our kids because control is a psychological need for us, too. So in order for kids to have more control over themselves for their benefit, we need to give up trying to control them for our benefit. And that is hard. Plus, it's kind of tricky knowing how much freedom is appropriate to allow We don't want to raise kids who feel entitled to always get their way and do whatever they want, but we also don't want to argue with them and risk damaging our relationships by being too rigid. Supporting your kids' need for control is an art, not a science. You learn as you go how and when to use your authority in ways that benefit your child and help him learn and grow. 
So parents who are too controlling produce two types of kids, those that comply and those that defy. We love kids who comply. They're the easy kids, the ones we don't worry about because they follow the rules. But when kids always comply, they're not really thinking on their own or acting autonomously. A lot of the time, they're focused on pleasing their parents and getting approval rather than figuring out what's right for them and learning to make decisions for themselves. If this sounds like your child, go back and listen to episode 37 on raising a people pleaser. Then there are the kids who defy. These are the so-called troublemakers. When you say go left, they go right. When you say go up, they go down. And when we think about them, the phrase power struggles comes to mind. Well, they're struggling for power because they feel they don't have any, and it's one of their core needs. So the two ways to tell whether your child's need for control isn't being satisfied are to notice your child's behavior and to notice how you feel. When kids' need for control isn't being met, they'll act out in ways to create a sense of control. Defiant kids will throw tantrums, say, I hate you, talk back, roll their eyes, and ignore requests. Because when that behavior gets an emotional reaction out of you, boom, they get a big hit of power and control. Compliant kids create control in other less obvious ways. For example, they might develop some compulsive behavior around eating or organizing, They might even resist going to the bathroom to exert control when they feel adults are constantly asking or reminding them to go. You'll know your child needs more autonomy when you feel angry, challenged, or provoked, when you recognize you're in a power struggle. When that happens, most parents become more controlling. But letting go of some control, as paradoxical as it may feel, is the solution. You can punish the behavior of the eye rolls and the tantrums, but that's just treating the symptom, not the cause. Treating the cause means supporting their need for more control over their own lives. So how do you do that? Where do you even start? First of all, if the idea of not being in control of your kids 100% of the time is causing you heart palpitations right now, I've got you. I totally understand that feeling. But I now know that letting go of the need for control not only means more freedom for your child, but for you as well. So stay with me. I promise it's not as bad as you think. And in fact, it's pretty amazing. Throughout the day, you want to provide your kids with as many proactive choices as possible to allow them the opportunity to feel a sense of control over their lives. Being proactive as opposed to reactive, lets you plan choices ahead of time because you know there's potential for a power struggle. This also helps you stay calm, and staying calm creates its own authority. Younger kids can only handle two or three options before getting overwhelmed, so avoid offering too many choices. Also, don't offer a choice when there really isn't one. Don't ask whether they want to put on sunscreen or their seatbelt unless you're prepared to hear no and stay home. So what do these choices look like? Let's say that every night your child screams and fusses over taking a bath. She doesn't want to take a bath and it's a whole production just to get her in there. Of course, once she gets in, you can't get her out, right? I know, I've been there. Okay, 
So you think of some aspects of bath time that she could have control over. Like, does she want to use the elephant washcloth or the Minnie Mouse washcloth? Does she want to take the bath when she gets home from preschool or after dinner? Notice you're not negotiating whether she's going to take the bath, just the details surrounding it. And you get to decide the choices ahead of time so whatever she chooses will be acceptable to you. Let's take an example for an older child. Every day, you and your child battle over getting homework done. You can give him the choice of doing it right away when he gets home or having a 30-minute break and then getting started. You can offer a choice to work at the desk in his room or at the kitchen table. The homework getting done is non-negotiable, but he can have some control over when and where it gets done. Now, it's unrealistic to give choices about everything. There will be many times when you make the decisions, but when kids' needs for control are being met often in these proactive, positive ways, they won't feel as much of a need to exert their power in negative ways, and they'll be more likely to cooperate in those instances when they don't have a choice. Besides giving choices, helping kids satisfy their need for control involves teaching them new skills and not rushing to rescue them or do it for them when they struggle a bit. For sure, it's easier and faster just to do things yourself. Remember, though, it's your job to prepare them to be self-sufficient. When I was about five years old, my mom used to put a bowl of dry cereal covered with saran wrap on the kitchen table and a small cup of milk and a cup of orange juice on a low shelf in the refrigerator on weekends. I'd wake up early, go to the kitchen, and put my breakfast together so I wouldn't wake her or my dad. Then I'd eat my breakfast and watch cartoons until she woke up. I remember feeling so grown up and proud for being able to do that on my own. Marissa cooks full dinners on the stove and bakes all by herself at age 13. In the beginning, of course, I was there to teach her and supervise her, but now she does everything all on her own without any help from me whatsoever, except the grocery shopping. Does she occasionally overcook something or mess up when frosting her cupcakes? Of course, that's part of the learning process. Another way to support your kids' autonomy is by slowly allowing them more and more freedom to make their own mistakes and solve their own problems. I know from experience that this can be so hard to do. Like most parents, I don't want to see my babies hurt or upset. I want to fix their problems immediately. But letting them fail, face challenges, and solve their own problems helps them develop greater self-confidence and self-esteem. Autonomy supportive parents trust that their kids can handle negative emotions and challenges, so they don't feel the need to constantly get involved in their kids' business. It's very unusual for me to get involved when my kids have friendship or school issues. I'm there to guide them and help them process their emotions, but I don't feel a need to intervene unless it's a very big deal, which fortunately is pretty rare. Another thing I do is give my kids an allowance for the sole purpose of learning how to use money and make spending mistakes now so they don't make bigger ones in the future. This is by far one of the most challenging things for me to do as a mom, to sit back and let them decide how to spend that money. I'm constantly having to tolerate my own discomfort, calm my anxiety, and resist my urge to control what they can and cannot buy. Sometimes I'll question their decisions before they go to the checkout counter, like, do you really need another set of paints? Or 
Do you really want to spend $20 on that book when your birthday is in two weeks? There have been numerous times they've regretted their purchasing decisions, but there have also been numerous times when I believe they were making a huge mistake and they bought it anyway and were happy with their decisions. If we want our kids to make good decisions and take responsibility for their choices when they're adults, we need to provide lots of opportunities for them to practice now when the stakes are low and we're here to guide them. Another way I support their need for control is to listen to their opinions. Sometimes I'll set a limit and one of them will disagree and make a point I hadn't considered. In those cases, I might adjust my decision and make a different one. As much as possible, I like to give my daughters a say in family decisions. And when they don't get a say, I try to provide a reason other than because I said so. I find that when I share my perspective and explain the reasons behind my decisions, they're more likely to accept them willingly because they understand the logic behind them. Over the next week, think about where you can support your child's need for control over his or her own life. Where can you give some more age-appropriate freedom or choice? How can you loosen your grip just a bit so your child can experience that sense of personal power in a positive way? If you're at a loss when it comes to power struggles and you'd like my help to put an end to them once and for all, go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up for your free mini session with me. Next week... I'm going to wrap up this series with an episode about the third core psychological need. Can you guess what it is? It starts with a C. It's not cookies. (laughs) If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do that so you can find out next week. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com.